From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Pleased to say for some more perspective here on the ground of what's taking place at the Apex Summit, we're joined right now by Al Kelly. He's the executive chairman over at Visa, and he is there at the Apex Summit in San Francisco. Now, first of all, appreciate you being here uh, on the program today. I do want to start off here with the summit. Uh, you actually had a chance to actually take the stage here uh, at the opening uh, ceremonies for this summit. Give us a sense here of the mood, of what people kind of expect to accomplish, even beyond just the big meeting between Xi Jinping and Joe Biden. Romain, it's great to be with you. Uh, look, this is very important for the city of San Francisco. Uh, the city's had some uh, issues over the last number of years and recovering from COVID. And I think this is a real positive shot in the arm for the city of San Francisco. And, and this city has a lot of energy, more so than I've seen uh, probably since uh, uh, the beginnings of uh, COVID. And I think there's a lot of uh, a sense of hope uh, hope that uh, discussions, not only between China and the U.S., but discussions amongst the 21 economies that are represented here, will lead to uh, you know various uh, breakthroughs in terms of helping small businesses around the world, driving increases in uh, digital trade and digital and enablement. So I, I think it's a very, very positive uh, mood so far in terms of what I've seen. Um, I have to ask you uh, about your expectations with regards to the relationship between U.S. and China and whether this meeting that we're all obsessing over could actually produce some sort of material result, some sort of material improvement, I should say, in relations between the U.S. and China. Well, I'm not in the room, but I, I, I can tell you this. I, I think there's no substitute for dialogue. I'm thrilled that the two leaders and, and their key f folks are, around them are getting together and talking. I don't think it's realistic to think on a, a four-hour meeting you're going to solve all the problems of the world, but I think that uh, it is a very, very healthy sign that they're, they're sitting together and will touch on a various levels of uh, discussions. And I, uh, my hope is that this becomes uh, a jumping-off point for more and more dialogue on specific issues amongst the most appropriate and relevant people in each administration to get together and, and see if we can uh, make progress. But there seems to be a, 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 a sense of hopefulness and uh, an energy that uh, I'm feeling in terms of the, this uh, meeting that just started to take place about 20 miles south of me. And Al, of course, uh, Visa did make some news uh, at this conference. I'm reading a press release from this morning that Visa is basically accelerating its support for small and micro businesses when it comes to both the APEC region and globally. Could you give us some context there? What, what countries are we talking about when we're talking about this support? Well, the countries we were, were, were talking about were the U.S., Mexico, uh, Peru, uh, the Philippines, 
uh, Vietnam uh, out of the chute, Indonesia as well. Uh, those are the, the initial areas of focus. And, and, and Katie, the, the uh, announcement we made today really had three parts to it. One is we're making a $100 million pledge from the Visa Foundation to help uh, underserved and women-led businesses in the uh, APAC economies. Secondly, we announced that a goal we set in 2020 to digitize 50 million small businesses and micro businesses around the world, that we've significantly exceeded that and we've reached 67 million businesses that we've helped digitize. And thirdly, we're not done. We're announcing, we announced today a, a small and micro business accelerator program where we hope to take many, many more small businesses around the world and help get them digitized. As I think you well know, small businesses are the backbone of virtually every single economy, not just in APEC, but around the world. They're, they're very, very important in terms of employment. They're very, very important in terms of creating real main street hubs uh, in communities in which we, we live, and they're just very important to the economies of these countries. And now looking through the statement, you make the point in it that if over the last three years you've really seen small business harness uh, the basically digital payments. And given that you know we, you are speaking to us from APEC, talk to us a little bit about the cross-border payment ecosystem and how that's evolving right now. Well, I think that uh, you know, data is uh, a very, very important uh, fuel around the world. And what happens if you can digitize uh, payments, you can actually open up the uh, world to small businesses beyond just the village that they, they sit in. Uh, if you can have a, a website and, uh, and expose your, your products beyond that little village you live in, you just have a greater opportunity to reach more of the world. But digital elements of, that come into place in countries are becoming increasingly important. Governments are realizing that if they can uh, give out their subsidy programs and uh, via digital means, it's much better than, than vouchers. It also creates more transparency in the collection of taxes. We're working very closely with transit authorities around the world, 700 of them, where we, if we create open loop uh, payment systems, it makes it a much greater and better experience for the consumer and a much more operationally efficient uh, uh, for the, the transit authorities. So, and, and then I think in, in general, that whole point about opening the world to uh, a greater audience of consumers, all of these things happen when digital uh, uh, digitization of payments, both domestic and cross-border are, are accelerated around the world. And it's something that we certainly are talking to many, many of the participant nations and economies about. Well, Al, we really appreciate you taking some time for us. Our thanks to Al Kelly. He is the executive chairman of Visa. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.